my name is Claire and you are listening to the Hypno Birthing Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to the podcast. I hope everybody is doing well. Just before I jump into the episodes, I wanted to give my essentials course a little bit of a plug. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, I've just launched a brand new course, which is called the Essentials Hypnobirthing Course. It's around three hours of pre-recorded videos and you can watch it in your own time at your own pace. Um, it also comes with some MP3 relaxations for you to listen to as well, a recommended resources list and a course handbook. And the reason that I did the course and created it is because I know a lot of people are just a bit short on time. And so my normal live course that I teach is eight hours and that's quite a lot for some people which I totally get so I wanted to do a slightly shorter one that meant that more people had access to it and you know particularly if you're late in your pregnancy if you don't discover hypnobirthing until you're 37 weeks then you probably don't have time to do a four-week course so yes that course is there for you um if you are just short on time if you just prefer to do things in your own time or if you're on a bit of a budget as well then it's perfect for you so I'll leave a link down below it's been really successful so far and I've had some really lovely feedback from people who have done it so it is the essentials of hypnobirthing so it is not as long as the full course so it doesn't contain all of the same information but it contains the essential things that you need to know about hypnobirthing and would really complement listening to this podcast so if you're interested um, there is a link below so today's episode of the podcast is actually a listener, um, AJ. She contacted me a while ago now, actually, to say that she loved the podcast um, and that she wanted to share her positive birth story with her son. Um, and so that's what we did. We talked about her positive birth story, about why she got interested in hypnobirthing. She's actually a doctor, so we talked a bit about how great that is actually that she's a doctor she's a medical professional and she practiced hypnobirthing because as much as obviously it's for everybody my experience is that medical professionals tend to be much more medical minded so tend to feel much more comfortable in a medical environment um, and doing things kind of more medically which is fair enough and I can understand why so it's great that she is somebody who is a doctor and she benefited massively from hypnobirthing so she shares her first birth and she's also at the time of recording uh 40 weeks pregnant with her second baby so looking towards her second birth as well so without further ado i will play the episode for you now so hello and welcome to aj now aj is a podcast listener which is amazing i always love when listeners contact me and uh, want to share their stories with me it's always lovely and aj did just that and so she's come onto the podcast today to share her positive birth story so welcome aj hello thank you yeah hey, how are you doing because aj is also 40 weeks pregnant <laughs> yeah on the dot <laughs> on the dot yep so you're feeling okay? Yeah, I'm feeling well, thank you. Yeah, I don't know, it could so be a live, forward to it. A live labour episode. <laughs> labour, and we could, uh, you know, it could be a live episode for the podcast. Never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> and it might actually happen within the duration of the podcast recording too, because the last it one was very be. quick. Oh, you're, yeah, you're, so your first person was quick, so well could. Yeah, I could coach you, could do it, but... <laughs> 
approach you from here. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. So obviously you have one child already. You are about to have another. Um, and you have benefited from hypnobirthing. So what was it that first got you interested in hypnobirthing with your first? I've always been interested in complementary medicine um, and how that can support you know, the orthodox models of medicine. Um, and as a doctor myself, um, you know, I can see the benefits of you know, the mind-body connection. Um, just simple things, I think, when, my, when I was really small and I needed stitches, my mum held my hand and squeezed and the distraction oh. and using your breathing yeah. to cope with something that was uncomfortable or painful. Um, I just knew how potent it was and how useful it would be. Um, so that, that got me interested in what I can do to prepare my brain for birth because I knew my body was going to do what it was going to do anyway. But I needed to be prepared, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's so important. And actually, that's great because those early experiences like that, they do really have an impact don't they on how you approach things so the fact that your your mum used to do that you know that really has set in your mind that that is a way of dealing with um you know any anxiety or stress or anything that you're feeling about anything medical what we were just saying was that obviously because you're a doctor um that it's great to have doctors do hypnobirthing I always love it I haven't ever taught a doctor um I've taught nurses and things like that but Doctors, I haven't. And obviously, doctors are just generally more medical minded. So I think you probably get less doing something like hypnobirthing. Um, so the fact that you did is great. And um, yeah, what like, obviously, you must be quite medical. So yeah. I guess it's kind of a balance for you between the sort of medical scientific side and the, you know, mind body connection kind of side. It can be a downside to know in too much detail and have witnessed things that are difficult to yeah. imagine happening to yourself um, but I only um, I used to do anesthetics so I've given spinals and epidurals myself and done anesthetics for the elective c-section list as well and they they were they were quite wonderful um, and yeah I think the anesthetic training especially pain training knowing that pain is an emotional response it's not just um neurotransmitters and chemicals it, it's also how you feel about what's yeah. going on um yeah. so I, I i figured that was the only bit that i could really control that, yeah <laughs> that's I'd right as well it. isn't it your mind if you can control your mind and how you perceive something then yeah it makes such a huge difference to how you then feel it doesn't it um, yeah. and that is the thing about pain and I always teach that and say that that pain is it is just a perception so actually somebody telling you that birth is painful or you know anything else is painful it, it doesn't mean that much to you because no. that's how they view it and if you have a different mindset then you're likely to view it differently and perhaps find it more manageable and more comfortable and things like that definitely definitely and and just thinking about what I'm like when I when I hurt myself like when I stub my toe <laughs> what do I do what do I need and honestly I just need everyone to be quiet and leave me alone right. and I figured that I'd probably be very similar giving birth 
and I was <laughs> you don't want to fuss if you're in pain yeah I get that I get that I feel a bit like that if I'm um if I just feel unwell I just yeah. think just don't want anyone near me just leave me alone <laughs> yeah um, so how do you think it helped prepare you so obviously you know doing the job that you were doing at the time you as you said you probably seen many different things so maybe you had like a little bit more fear than somebody else might have because you've probably witnessed things that others haven't so do you think it helped to get rid of some of that fear that you felt I I don't think I would say I was fearful um because I I had I have a lot of trust in the people that would be taking care of me. Um, and so I, I wasn't fearful, but it, it definitely helped because um, I, I just, I liked the idea that I could listen to positive affirmations and coach myself through what was happening to me and to have a, have a understanding of what was happening and a trust in myself too so not just trusting people externally but trusting that my body could do what it was meant to do um I think having having known that my you know my mum didn't have difficulty having a baby um and she didn't have any extra help in labour I just knowing that there are other people out there who do give birth without intervention and it all goes smoothly and and what they use. So I had heard about hypnobirthing from quite a few people, so I thought I'd give it a go. And yeah, it, it really helped. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So share your birth story then. Um, so on my due date last time. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I woke up at seven in the morning and I felt, oh, this is a bit different. So Braxton Hicks just a bit tighter. Um told my husband and we had some awesome egg on toast um and I, I they was they were happening and I was sort of maybe I'm in labor I don't know probably um and then I, I kind of thought about it I, was like, I haven't really felt the baby move for a while and he would normally have been quite active at that time um I didn't know he was here at the time and so I I called the delivery suite and just said I think I think I'm in an early labor um but I haven't felt the baby move for quite a while now they said come up to the hospital bring your bags but leave them in the car we'll just you know check you with the monitors um and probably send you on your way so um that's what we did I said to my husband you know I'd already prepped him for the drive to the hospital you know no more than 65 miles an hour lots of space really easy you know just no stress driving yeah no bumps um, no yeah no bumps and I listened to the sort of hypnobirthing script positive affirmation kind of thing as I was going along and that helped um we got there we were talking about what film we were going to watch when we got home kind of thing uh, preparing for that long uh, early labor that you expect um and so they they uh, put the monitors on but everything's grand and um, examined me and I was one centimeter that's what I was expecting and they said did, did I want to go home did I want to walk around the hospital this is on delivery suite and I, I, I just sort of thought, like, I can't. I am really, I just want to stay and not go anywhere. I, I'm really struggling to, with the idea of walking and I had to have help to get to the toilet and back from my husband. So I thought this is quite intense. Yeah. Um, but I'm only one centimetre, so they kind of left me alone. Um, and I ended up sort of getting on my, on my knees at the, end of the, at the end of the bed with my 
um, body and face sort of planted on the end of the of the end of the bed, rocking my hips from side to side, thinking, "Gosh, I don't know if I can do this." <laughs> <laughs> 12 hours plus yeah. um but uh, you know just breathing listening to him and then then the scripts became too much and I had to take the headphones yeah. out and just stop listening um but I kept repeating to myself you know my, my cervix is opening the baby's moving downwards like with every contraction just breathe breathe and the, the midwives that they were wonderful very keen <laughs> and they kept coming in to kind of talk see how I was and ask me things and I was just shh like this. I couldn't I didn't want to listen to them or talk to them I just and my husband had in the end had to sort of say unless it's essential like you know please don't say anything right. <laughs> talk to her she's not uh, she doesn't want it yeah. um and then I, I a while later you know time dilates and contracts isn't it when you're um, when you're in labor you've got no idea about time um they said um, I said to my husband, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I need something. I need something like gas and air. I need a pool. I need something, which I realise now is a transition phase. Yeah. Um, and um, the midwife said, oh, if you want to go over to M- the midwife led unit, um, we need to make sure you're four centimetres or more. And I think my waters had just broken at that point as well. They hadn't gone before that. Um, and it was just behind waters, um, apparently. And so they got me up on the on the bed to examine me, and they were like, "Oh goodness, you're nine and a half centimeters." Oh my god! I was like, "They said, do you still want to go to the midwifery unit?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> I want to have my baby now." Um, so they broke wow. my waters. My he came within 15 minutes of them um, being fully dilated, yeah. um, and then I was a mum, and that happened extremely quickly. That's um, very quick. Yeah, and they, um, I had some really, really slight grazes, but no tearing or anything, which was, um, I was really, yeah, really, really, but I think that was the only thing I was afraid of, I suppose, yeah. um, would be the only thing that I was nervous about. Um, yeah, and I was in shock. I was like, I, I can't believe that just happened. And I kept like repeating myself, like, did that really just happen? How quickly did that happen? Can How I- long was it? Well, so from... 7 a.m. and he was born at 12:29. Oh wow! Yeah, that's time. Very quick. Yeah, and they were first labour as well. Yeah, but they estimate that I was only in only in active labour um, yeah. for less than two hours. Yeah, because they it's quite difficult sometimes because they wouldn't have really known when you were actually in active. I had the same thing. Yeah, because yeah. they probably didn't really know when you went into active labour because they hadn't examined you, so they just kind of mm. guessed. I think at when it probably yeah. seemed like it ramped up a little. Um, I think they, yeah. took the, they had the one centimetre to nine and a half centimetre yeah. interval where yeah. chopped that in half and went, right, well, that's yeah, the, in the middle. of it. <laughs> yeah. I had very um, similar, actually. Yeah. She, um, I only got examined once and I was nine and a half centimetres. So they sort of said, well, like, we'll have to go off of when we came out to you because otherwise your active labor is like 15 minutes if we go from like yeah. when you're nine and a half centimeters and that just seemed like really really small amount of time yeah. um so yeah they yeah. kind of just pick I mean it doesn't matter too much anyway does it afterwards it makes no, no difference but no I think the only thing it makes a difference with for me is that knowing that my first yeah was so rapid um having spoken to the midwives 
and the obstetrician's not does anyone this time they, they will say so you're planning a home birth I was gonna ask you are you yeah yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably um, yeah and also if I'm not at home I'm carrying around like a, a little tote bag with two <laughs> towels baby clothes my change of clothes just in case I drop on the spot which that's a good is idea a, is, a, is a bit of a risk but um yeah so good to yeah. know it will be, um, I mean, you know, obviously anything can happen, but usually or yeah. typically second labours tend to be quicker than the first. So considering, yeah, your first labour was pretty quick, I would say being at home is probably the best shout because then it yeah. takes out any of your stress about having yeah. to get into the hospital and potentially yeah. having the baby on the way or something, I'm sure you wouldn't yeah. want. So, yeah, being at home is a, definitely a good call. And hopefully, although I say this all the time, and I've spoken to quite a few people recently who have had very quick labours. Um, and I've had both. So I've had a long labour with my first and a short labour uh, with my second, who was born on the same day as your, yeah. as your son. How crazy. <laughs> I keep yeah meeting people who we have um, babies born on the same day. But um, maybe it was a day for quick babies. Who knows? Um, but... There it is, you know, I think everybody when they're looking towards their labour, they think they'd like a short labour. Um, and definitely I think if I was to pick between both, I would I would go for the shorter one because it's just done quicker. But it is a lot more intense. And like you said, you couldn't walk that easily. Um, and, you know, you had to take your uh, relaxation tracks out because it was too much. And that's probably just because your body is trying to do exact same thing uh, but in a much shorter amount of time so of course it's much yeah. more intense which I think sometimes people forget when you hear about someone having a quick labor we think oh how amazing for them how lucky are they <laughs> yeah but actually like it's still really hard work it's still doing all the same work but in a much shorter time mm. and people can feel quite shocked afterwards um, you said yourself you felt shocked like oh what just happened um yeah. so it can be quite shocking whereas I think with a longer mm. labor you have a bit more time to um kind of get on board of what's actually happening and I think yeah. it's sometimes a bit easier to use your hypnobirthing a bit better when it's longer because uh, you can quite easily get into that zone whereas when it's a bit quicker it sometimes feels hard to get on top of it um but however they're born in whatever time it's amazing but yeah I think the the fatigue of a long labor would be the thing that I wouldn't want I'm grateful for the the fact that it was quite fast because I think you can can deal with something very intense for a very short time yeah I think the biggest thing is when it's quick and I remember feeling like this as well is you don't know it's going to be quick. So you're having very, very intense surges or contractions. And I suppose for me personally, I was thinking, I can't do this for another 24 hours. They're much more intense than last time. And I was just going by how long it took first time. So I was thinking, I can't, I can't do this for that long. But then if I had known it would only be another hour, well, I could do anything for another hour. Like, of course I can do it. So I think that's difficult and you said it yourself that you felt like oh I can't I can't do this and you just because you don't realize that actually it's about to uh it's about to be done it's about to be finished yeah yeah, yeah definitely so you have practiced your hypnobirthing for this time round, and are you feeling confident yes yeah, yeah. um I use, I use the exact same yeah uh, I've been to the same yoga class oh, and nice. yoga listen to the same um hypnobirthing uh track and, and affirmations and 
and doing my perineal stretching again um yeah. like I did last time um what well, obviously made a difference last time if you uh just had a couple of grazes that's great yeah definitely um um yeah and I feel still very calm about it um yeah. we had a a trial run let's say three weeks ago um where I had some very intense back and hips contractions about 15 in a 90 minute period and I called the home birth team to put myself on their radar thinking if this ramps up things could um, happen very quickly um you know and it was all it was just it was quite relaxed and oh this this is happening let's get my little boy picked up and um the midwife very sensibly said yeah get in the bath and if it goes away, scratch and picks, and if it keeps going, we'll, you know, give us a call back and we'll call you back. Um, it did go, excuse me, obviously went away because he's still in there. Um, but uh, but it was it was really helpful, actually, for both of us to have that dry run at home, um, especially my husband, because when I first said to him, I'd, I'd like to have a home birth, um, I was already under the home birth team, but it was more of like a necessity under the home birth team. The plan was plan A, get to the hospital if we've got time. Yeah. Plan A and a, a, and a half was <laughs> if we don't have time, we'll stay here. Um, and so when I actually said to my husband, no, I think I want plan A to be a home birth and go to the hospital if we need to. Um, he immediately said, why would you do a medical thing in a non-medical place? And I said, darling, it's not a medical thing. Um, and so I, I talked to him about the, the statistics and about the home birth study and place of birth study um, and the papers in the Lancet and he kind of yeah he took that on board and but then he said yeah but what if what if we're the one in whatever the tiny number is um, pro- proportion of people that if our baby had been born in a hospital the outcome would be different and I said yeah that you know that that is awful and if you're not comfortable with it you're my support and if, unless we're both on board 100 percent, it's not happening let's try and get to the hospital or yeah. birth before arrival or whatever it's called yeah um, so um but then when the midwife um we have a lo- lovely home birth team um here fantastic but when so when she came on the, at the 30 week appointment 36 week appointment to talk about home birth um I asked her to bring up a copy of my notes so that I could have a copy of the discharge summary from last time, which showed how quickly that I gave birth. So that if I turned up at the hospital and I was only one centimetre, they wouldn't send myself and my husband away because I had it in black and white how quickly yeah. it happened last time. She opened her laptop and went and four <laughs> um, because of how quickly wow. it was recorded. She hadn't quite realised um, when I told her before that, that it was that quick. And I think that just, brought to Adam's mind the idea that um although you know it's a perfectly valid choice to decide to have home birth because that's what you prefer and that's what you're comfortable with it's both that and and feels like a necessity yeah um in in my situation so I think I think that is a bit easier yeah. as well for him to get to home but um it's far safer far safer for us to have a baby at home yeah the home birth team here comfortable in our own environment um than try and give birth on the on the road yeah in yeah. the car park in the lift yeah any of those places that's so, the thing I think that's what you yeah. have to look at and like you said it's I mean you know I 
obviously when I teach, I talk a lot about the home birth stats and things like that. And I think definitely one of the misconceptions about home birth is that if you're in a hospital and something went wrong, it could be dealt with easier. But what I always say to people is that actually the chances of things going very badly wrong at home are really, really slim. The chances of things going more wrong in a hospital is obviously higher because you're in a medical environment. So things do happen in hospital that wouldn't happen at home. So I think when we hear of um, horrible birth stories and births not going very well, we we then think, well, if we'd been, if that person had been at home for that, that would have been really bad. But the chances of those things happening at home probably wouldn't you know they wouldn't have happened anyway at home because it's a completely different environment and you react different obviously your environment's really important and birth isn't a medical event it's a physiological event like you know pooing and weeing and blinking and all of that so there isn't any reason why it can't be at home and like you said it's, it's individual so for you it's better for you to be at home because the chances of you having a very quick labor and, you know, even trying to change location halfway through, you might make it to hospital, but then that might slow your labor down because you're in a new environment. Whereas if you're at home, it might just kind of carry on and, you know, keep going as it should. So, and as you said, you don't want to risk being, uh, you know, in the car or yeah, in the car park. And you do see that it does happen sometimes, doesn't it? So yeah. definitely right choice, I would say for a quick, quick labor. Yeah, I, I think the, the thing that I would bear in mind, it, it's about risk management and your risk tolerance. Um, yeah, it is. And if, if you is. are somebody who feels that they'd be more comfortable in hospital or yeah. feel that they'd be more comfortable yeah. at home or there are, there's good evidence that you are more likely to need intervention or you've got some underlying health condition that puts you or the baby at risk or whatever. Then um, it's it's under like you like you talk about the, the brain thing where you you look through the benefits and the risks and and you can still come out the other side and decide no actually I I, I want to go to hospital I want yeah. home birth but it's about your own risk tolerance that's yeah. that's the main thing because it? some um, people genuinely feel more comfortable in a hospital and if that's the case then you're going to labour better in a hospital um, really interestingly and actually that's one of the reasons why um, being a doctor actually I'm I know Catherine, so Catherine Graves, the lady who I'm trained under, um, I remember her saying that of all the midwives she's ever taught, I think like all of them have chosen a home birth. And of all the um, obstetricians she's ever taught, only one of them has ever chosen a home birth. And that's just because that's their experience, and their mindset. Um, so actually, for some people, yeah, being in a hospital feels safer. So which is why it's so great that you are a medical professional and yet you still have that that trust in yourself to be at home, which I find great. I find that that's amazing. Um, and I just found that kind of um, stat quite interesting and I can understand mm-hmm. it as well because you go with what your experience is. So for a consultant or, or an obstetrician, they see uh medicalized births all the time so that's their normal whereas a midwife will see uh, much more kind of natural births all the time so that's their normal um it's just interesting but yeah it's all about comfort level and your risk everyone's risk is different isn't it everyone's willing to accept a different level of risk um and it's all about what you're what you're happy with as well so and and generally people who work in hospitals like obstetricians and doctors 
that's not an uncomfortable environment for them they actually choose to work in those places so they're used to the smell they're used to the sounds yeah they don't they don't feel overwhelmed by walking into delivery suite or somewhere and speak to some other people and and they're they're comfortable enough in that environment so that probably is the safest most comfortable place for them to give birth yeah yeah definitely Um, definitely has an impact um i went and had a walk around the um midwife-led unit beforehand um just because I, I i'd hadn't been to that before i've been on delivery suite a lot but i had never been on the i wouldn't have been on the midwife-led unit before um, no no and so I, I had yeah just to get get your head in the game of if you come through those doors yeah. what's on the other side um so i guess you must have known a lot of the staff there as well on the delivery suite yeah, I had, I had recognised quite a few of them. That's yeah. quite nice as well. Although yeah. I'm not sure, maybe if you're feeling a bit vulnerable <laughs> in the middle of labour, you might not want anyone there that you recognise. <laughs> I think you're a bit busy, aren't you? Colleagues, yeah, yeah, too busy to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, perfect. That is such a lovely story. And again, like the coincidence of them being born again on the same day, like we should start some sort of 24th of September club. Um, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Yeah. On that day, I seem to know so many people. Um, <laughs> what was happening nine months before then? Why was everyone Christmas Eve? <laughs> <laughs> what was it <laughs> Christmas time? <laughs> I think I I remember when I first sort of I think when I first booked my pregnancy in or something. I remember them saying that September is a really busy month for having babies because a lot of teachers time if they can I mean you know it's not always easy to time your pregnancy but they aim for a September due date uh, because it gives them the school holidays and then they can start the maternity leave so she said like a lot of people want a September birthday because of the schools and things like that so it's a popular popular month I think which um, I'd say is true (laughs) (laughs) yes definitely from my experience yeah yeah thank you so much AJ and um, you know it's lovely to hear positive stories and obviously it's so beneficial for people that listen to hear as many positive uh, birth stories as they can. And, you know, I wish you all the luck with your upcoming imminent birth and maybe you'll come back and share that story um, <laughs> when you're feeling a bit more settled, um, you know, give you a bit of time, not straight away. thank you so much and um and yeah good luck and hopefully i will speak to you soon and you can come back and share your your second birth story thank you so much for having me thank you bye So thank you so much to AJ for coming on and sharing her story. It was lovely to talk to her and to listen to her very quick first labour and obviously wishing her all the best of luck and positive birth vibes for her second labour as well. So I will be back in two weeks time with a new episode. So I will speak to you then. Goodbye.